0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Allendale Market Talk. This is Mike Lung, and today I'm being joined by a very special guest, Phil Madsen, chairman and CEO of Cadson International since he's been chairman and CEO since 1993, so a lot of great knowledge there. And, Phil, thanks for coming on the show today.
1: Well, thank you very much.
0: So, for our viewers at home, can you explain a little bit of Cadson International, where you guys came from, and a little bit about your operation?
1: Sure. Um, if The company was founded in 1955 by Dr. Raphael Katzen. Uh, The fundamental principle behind our company is the development and execution of the most advanced, commercially sensible uh, technology in the chemical and biochemical process industries. Now, the chemical and biochemical processing leads us right to ethanol. in the early days, uh, the company did a lot of work in the sugar and ethanol industry in Cuba. Uh, the Brazilian uh, government heard about it, sent a delegation to see if it made sense for Brazil, and that was pre-Castro. And then the Brazilian uh, government uh, developed their pro alcool program uh, using technology strategies that they learned from Dr. Katzen in, in Cuba. Uh, after Castro uh, took over the company and threw uh, Ray and his people out of Cuba, uh, he reformed the company here in Cincinnati with a primary focus being pulp and paper, ethanol in all of its forms and chemicals in a broad range. Uh, Since I joined the company in 1980, our principal focus has been ethanol in all of its forms. And of particular interest, of course, has been uh, motor fuel ethanol. And Mm -hmm. that has been my area of interest and my area of primary uh, dedication uh, since 1980.
0: Awesome. And I know you guys are very present worldwide, uh, Brazil, EU. How closely knitted are you to the Brazil operation and all the work that goes in with the government down there during uh, during now with so much focus being shifted to Brazil with this whole trade war and China seeming to have a lot of focus down there? Well, if,
1: if we go back to the very beginning, Brazil... The Brazilian ethanol industry was a creation mm-hmm. of the Brazilian government, obviously, and it was an excellent result. Uh, has has been very good for their country, uh, being a country very short of oil and very mm-hmm. long on agriculture. Now, during the period of time from original inception up through the 90s, the intellectual property laws were not favorable to uh, U.S. companies, so we limited our activity to uh, consulting Mm -hmm. and we introduced molecular sieves, for example, into their system. That was the extent of it. Now, with the new emphasis on corn as feedstock, especially in the Mato Grosso area, Mm -hmm. uh, we are now very active uh, I haven't added up the numbers, but I believe we're probably the market leader now in providing uh, grain based ethanol plants corn based ethanol plants uh, i we have see two in operation, one under construction, one in design, uh and negotiating a variety uh, of additional ones now, this is less of a government Driven. Certainly, it's government accommodated, but it's Mm -hmm. less of a government driven program than the original sugar based program. Uh, What we're seeing is it's more entrepreneurial driven because of the dilemma of the corn being grown uh, in an area that does not have the type of infrastructure that we have here in the U.S. for moving. Uh, the bulk commodity grains uh, to the international markets Um, and so ethanol becomes a a tool for them uh, to get more of the infrastructure that exists and now they certainly the government is strongly encouraging this but Mm -hmm. not with the level of for subsidization for example uh, that existed originally under the uh, sugar-based program.
0: Okay, sounds like a plan. Well, I also know that recently you've gone to the Brussels summit, um, and yes, want to ask some questions about that summit. What was what was some of the main topics and what the outlooks that were being presented there?
1: Well, uh, that's a very interesting question because even though it is the world conference. Mm-hmm. The focus this year was strongly on the European situation with um, secondary emphasis on international. Okay. And some of the key things we learned was uh, Europe had a very good year uh, in their both their grain and their sugar-based ethanol program. They're getting close. And in Europe, I'm always cautious about saying reached a conclusion. They're getting close politically to a program that will at least support the continuation of the ethanol industry for a few more years as it exists. But there is um, some activity in Europe to um, take the assets that were fuel ethanol assets and uh, diversify into industrial alcohol, beverage alcohol, uh, pharmaceutical alcohol, for example, mm-hmm. because the 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 assets exist; uh, they're capable of being modified to these other products, and the market certainty seems a bit better um, in the alternative. Uh, markets, but nevertheless, the total alcohol production uh, is rising uh, as a number of plants uh, develop or continue on their path of uh, capacity expansion. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of, of some of the international issues associated with that conference, uh, we know that the Far East, um, starting with the Indian subcontinent uh, through the uh, Uh, Australasian area China etc there's strong interest in growth uh, of the fuel ethanol based uh, industry and in that entire geography Uh, they do have some challenging politics Uh, they do have challenging commodity pricing issues Uh, for example in Thailand in which we are the market leader the primary feedstock for the small plants is molasses. The primary feedstock for the large plants is cassava, manioc. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
1: cassava pricing as, as, as molasses uh, floats on world supply and demand and very, very difficult. Uh, much easier in the U.S., for example, to go on the board of trade and at least lock in some level of certainty. Mm -hmm. on your supply and pricing. Uh, That opportunity is not as clearly available um, in the Asian, Indian, uh, Australasia area. Uh, So it's a bit more of a struggle, but they continue to build. They continue to grow. um, And there's nothing on the horizon that suggests they will be curtailed. They will be slow, support continues. We're Mm -hmm. also seeing support in Africa, but it's very early. Um, Africa had a strong push uh, 15 or 20 years ago and ran into various obstacles and backed down, but we're beginning to see momentum growing again. Uh, Certainly, Brazil. even more than the U.S. was a topic of discussion. Uh, Brazil uh, is, is going to be soon very significant in the grain-based ethanol uh, industry, which also then means uh, significant impact on world availability of DDGS.
0: Mm-hmm. So as China showed a lot of, i'm i'm obviously they have to rebuild their uh hog herd after this a s f problem have they been showing more and more interest in investing heavily uh more heavily in brazil knowing that they are building this uh well growing their ethanol and d d g market from what you know and have gathered from the conference
1: uh i have not seen nor have i heard uh whether china is Accelerating its entry into Brazil, uh, we have not seen in the corn area mm-hmm. uh, any significant uh, Chinese money. We are seeing, however, a lot of Chinese equipment uh, being imported. They are and have been for several years now um, providing reasonable equipment, uh, fairly fairly good low-end copies of, of what we might buy here in the US in, in many areas of significant equipment. We mm-hmm. haven't seen the investment money in owning the assets yet, but uh, it's not an area that I have broad expertise in. Now, we we have a big plant in China. Mm-hmm. We have bid a number of plants in China. Uh, China is one of those situations where if it's Wednesday, the answer is different than if it's Friday. Right. They are up, down, up, down, and, and very difficult, very difficult for us to wrap our mind around uh, because we've we've been invited to make many proposals, yet they don't seem to come, over the last three years, they don't seem to come to final conclusion. So we, we, we interpret China today as very uncertain, and I mm-hmm. think the hog issue has has quite a bit to do with that. Uh they do have difficulty with storage and transport of very, very large scale commodities as as of course we know from their experience with having corn going out of condition in massive quantities and so forth so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we are seeing a lot of Chinese money moving into Africa.
0: Okay. So you said you were, you've were you been bidding, and I think everyone that's been watching these markets over the last year and a half would agree with you that China has been very uh, back and forth, very difficult to pin down just over this trade war period. But while over there bidding for this, is it mostly surrounded by this uh, talk of the – well, I haven't heard as much recently, but the previous talk about this 2020 ethanol push in China?
1: Well, we hear it more from the uh... – we hear it less from the political side and more from the uh, uh, executional side. But mm-hmm. what what we have identified and fairly well confirmed by a number of folks that we communicate with frequently in China, the China has a broad-based goal in agriculture to greatly expand their grain and, in particular, corn production and they have a secondary desire to uh, produce ethanol from that, but uh, I see their primary driving force as to be a uh, a major force in corn production. Okay, and then of course the ancillary to that is DDGS feeding. They they do have a lot of experience in DDGS feeding.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It seems to fit well into their uh, system of of livestock Um, Of course lots of corn lots of ethanol then they have their own DDGS we -hmm. also are Expecting to see even though the infrastructure is a big challenge. We do expect to see DDGS from Brazil moving to the Pacific Rim uh, not just uh, to China
0: Mm -hmm. So Talking about Brazil emerging, talk about Africa emerging, Thailand, all these areas are emerging. Do you see another large biofuel push coming here fairly soon, or do you see that slowly building over the next five, ten years?
1: Uh, that's a very good question. Um, and of course, it's all driven by politics. Mm-hmm. Um, there seems to be a lot of staying power for growth in the Indian-Asian continent area. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of interest being expressed in Africa, but I don't yet see the political will. Um, mm-hmm. The interest seems to be coming more from the entrepreneurial uh, side, where in, in India, for example, where we're quite active, uh, it's it's all policy-driven. Uh, And there seems to be a big push, but not the kind of growth that uh, we observed originally in Brazil or the U.S. or even Mm -hmm. Canada. Uh, Canada has a very, very big program given their population. Uh, Europe, uh, given their ratio of of gasoline-powered vehicles to diesel-powered vehicles, their program actually was quite aggressive, uh, on par with, uh, Canada and the u s in terms of miles driven by gasoline powered vehicles, um, we are seeing more interest in australia uh, that, that we think has long term um, long term potential mm-hmm. uh, the biggest one, however, that we think is solidly supported by the agriculture that exists and can be developed and by the government is brazil of course
0: mhm yeah they've been trying to be a, a larger and larger power every single year seemingly growing exponentially so it's not a oh, yes. not a huge surprise to hear that from from brazil um, so it seems like a lot of these densely populated areas you got brazil india china uh, is really showing interest from what I'm grasping but not so much the, the well ex- excluding Brazil uh but not really showing the the intensity the want right now to be implementing all of this I mean especially with China with obviously the whole political scene between us and them right now uh seems like it's just kind of been put on the back burner am, am I correct in grasping that from that
1: I I think you you've analyzed the situation very very well and you made a very important point um the areas that seem to have the most staying power, as, as the political situation waxes and wanes around the world, are areas of very dense population with cities that have very bad air. Mm-hmm. And also, the subset of all of that is cost of petroleum to get into their gas tank. Uh, you know, countries that are awash in petroleum uh, don't show much much interest. Uh, countries that uh, have to import, um, they are they are showing more interest. But I think there is a key here that I can only, you know, I've I've observed, but I haven't seen government policy. But
0: mm-hmm. the
1: areas where real dense population exists, where the air in the cities. Beijing, for example, or uh, the big cities in India, where we, we know what that's like, because in the 70s, we had a lot of bad air in our cities, mm-hmm. and ethanol was a primary uh, piece of the puzzle that cleaned up that air. And that seems to be a, um, a, a linchpin uh, around the world of staying power. Uh, other driving forces tend to come and go.
0: Mm-hmm. And with building with that, I know here recently in the U.S., it's we've gotten efficiency pretty well to the fact that we can crush less and less corn in order to get ethanol. How is the Brazilian, uh, probably since you guys are working with them, probably have the same efficiency going on, but... How do you see that going forward with the efficiency rate? Are we gonna need less and less corn in order to get more and more ethanol? Or where do you see that rate going here?
1: Uh, Probably a a two-part question. Uh, In the US, the efficiencies have really, really improved. Um, A simple example, the capital investment today per increment of ethanol produced in the large-scale plants.
0: It's mm-hmm. the
1: same number of dollars as it was in 1980, and the dollars lost half its value. So we're mm-hmm. getting plants at half the real dollar cost. The employment is only about one-third per plant because of high levels of automation. The efficiencies are, are really quite remarkable, but I would, would add that the efficiency gains that are available by mother nature, that is, uh, we're getting most of the squeal out of the pig now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so adding new product variations and things like that will become more an issue in the future than pure efficiency. Now, in Europe, when its program started about 20 years ago, we started at... A generation of technology that was ahead of the US at the time. Reason being, US was in a rollout uh, strategy and was not looking for technological advancements during that rollout period. Well, Europe started hungry for the latest technological advances so the European projects um, got to where the US projects are actually a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. In Brazil, uh, so far, with the entrepreneurs that we are working with, they want to go to the very head of the class. and so they're adopting on their they're adopting just emerging technologies mm-hmm. uh, that are emerging also in the u s. so I expect to see Um, Well, we we have very good data on one facility that we designed that outperforms the uh, average U.S. plant by a long shot on energy consumption, yield per bushel of grain, uh, the the key measures that you really worry Mm -hmm. about, uh, highly automated, um, and capital investment actually below uh, U.S. based capital investment. Some of that, of course, is by adopting Chinese equipment. So right. one might be concerned that over the long haul there might be more maintenance costs associated with it, but uh, that's yet to be proven. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really, the grain based, the large scale grain based fuel ethanol industry worldwide is all kind of together at at the highest level of efficiency. And no question, the U.S. led the thinking in in that area. And the U.S. industry has done an extraordinary job of uh, improving capital utilization, uh, improving water balance, improving energy balance, uh, yields, and so on. Really, really remarkable when you compare it to any other industry. And I've been at this. I graduated from Iowa State University in 1969. So I've been at it since then. No mm-hmm. other industry that I've been affiliated with has seen that rate of growth in commercially deployed uh, technology.
0: Very remarkable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like they're being very quick to adoption for new new technologies. And obviously, uh, with the U.S. having developed their technology a little bit before, they're a little bit slower to bring in the new stuff. All the old stuff's still working. If it's not broke, don't fix it. So. As you're building the new ones, it sounds like they're pretty quick to be saying, hey, we need the latest, greatest uh, machinery here in order to make sure that we're not setting ourselves up five years behind by purchasing old equipment. Exactly.
1: That's a very
0: good assessment, yes. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. I'm really excited to see how this whole biofuel thing will develop in the future, where we're getting those emerging markets and everything. But again, thanks thanks for joining me today, Phil. Well, thank you very much, Mike. I enjoyed it. Today for Allendale Market Talk, Mike Lung, you guys have a great day.